0: This is Daryl Strawberry and this is Tracy Strawberry and you're listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. I don't remember what he said, but I remember what God said through him and that was, are you done yet? Are you done living the life I never intended you to live? And it was at that moment I decided, you know what, I am absolutely done. I'm completely tired of carrying all the anxieties and all the burdens and all the worries of a small business
1: owner. I was fed up. Thank you, Daryl and Tracy Strawberry, for your introduction. Daryl and Tracy wrote a very transparent book on marriage a couple years back called The Imperfect Marriage. You can hear my conversation with the strawberries at onfaithsedge.com slash 35. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 35. Well, hello. Hello again. Welcome to the 58th episode of On Faiths Edge. My name is Joe Taylor. Recovering Atheist and Your Servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. On today's show, I speak with entrepreneur and author, Daryl Lyons. We talk with Daryl about his uh, book, Small Business, Big Pressure, what to expect as a Christian entrepreneur, and why a mission statement and vision statement are both critical to a small business. We talk about how his faith plays a role in his work and he tells an amazing story that starts with tragically losing their unborn baby and concluding with a commitment to trusting God and giving up control. Last episode, I spoke with veteran entrepreneur, Aaron Walker. This was a great conversation and personally, one of my most noteworthy interviews. Aaron spends the majority of his time helping men grow in success and significance as president and founder of View from the top, a premier life and business coaching resource. Uh, starting his first business at 18, Aaron sold that business. Uh, he actually owned a owned a pawn shop that he started. He started working and working in this pawn shop at age 13, I believe. Uh, and he eventually sold that business to a Fortune 500 company. And like I said, this was personally one of my most noteworthy interviews. Uh, just a fantastic uh, fantastic man, a fantastic believer, and uh, just a joy to talk to. You can hear my conversation with Aaron at OnFaithsEdge.com slash 57. That's OnFaithsEdge.com slash 57. Daryl Lyons is the author of Small Business, Big Pressure. Uh, endorsed by New York Times bestselling authors Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller, an NBA Hall of Famer, and 16 successful business owners, his business is considered one of the best places to work in San Antonio and one of the fastest growing companies in the city. Daryl was recognized as one of the top 40 business people under 40, and the mayor of San Antonio, listen to this, the mayor of San Antonio named a park after him, the Daryl W. Lyons Park. Uh, for his work in helping to redevelop parts of the city. Hello, Daryl. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Joe.
1: Co-founder of a highly successful, of the highly successful Pax Financial Group in San Antonio, Texas. Dave Ramsey calls you a rock star. Endorsed by Dan Miller of 48 Days to the Work You Love fame. Recipient of the John C. Maxwell Leadership Award in 2015. Daryl, if that's not enough... What's up with having a park named after you, man,
0: <laughs> the park still, I stopped still to pinch myself. You know, I was on Facebook the other day <laughs> and, and somebody was at my park posting a bunch of pictures and it's just kind of surreal to have a park named after you. It is still weird, but it's really cool. Yeah.
1: So how did you swing that man?
0: So, um, I was uh, um, – it's really a God thing when you know, to talk about an amazing series of events that I couldn't have orchestrated uh, independent of God. I, I was on an airplane. I met the mayor. Um, the mayor just seemed like – he goes, I, you seem like a great guy. You know a little bit about money. I've got a board I need you to be on that needs help with its finances. So I said, sure. You know, I've never done anything political before, but I'll give it a shot. And I and I joined the board way in over my head. Everyone around in the boardroom had been in the newspapers, were former mayors, just movers and shakers of San Antonio. And I I barely could shave at the time. I get on the board, and the um, the chairman resigns. The successing chairman um, passes away prematurely. Great guy, and and so they look around the room and say, "Who else knows how to run this board?" And they look at me because I know finance, and so they pick me. I ran the board, and the board's responsibility was to take private sector industry, uh, I'm sorry, take uh, military industry and uh, successfully uh, transport them out. It was a part of the uh, BRAC, the Base Realignment Enclosure. And so we had to move this base at Brook City Base in San Antonio uh, from, a, from a military base to a private industry. Um, and our responsibility was to bring private industry in. And we did. We brought in hotels, and universities, um, a hospital and as we made that successful transition um, I, you know, under my leadership is what they say although I was surrounded by people much smarter than me the mayor uh, Julian Castro decided to name a park after me and so there's a park the Daryl W. Lyons Park in San Antonio Texas.
1: It's cool man it's cool <laughs> yeah. isn't it Daryl?
0: It's, it's real cool yeah <laughs> I have to clean it every now and again, you know, make sure there's no graffiti. But in fact, a friend of mine the other day goes, hey, uh, I think they found a body in your park. I was like, what a body in my park? It's so That's it's funny. funny. It's a it's a joke ar- around in my community, but it is something special because most of the time people uh, have to give a lot of money or die to get a park. And, and I got a park named after me. And again, I, if you look at my life, and, and again, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, it's, it doesn't surprise me. God just doesn't surprise me that way.
1: Well, job well done, man. We we joked about it, but job well done. I mean, it's a it, it was an important project, obviously, and uh, and uh, well recognition recognition well deserved. I'm sure. Let's get right into the book. Small business, big pressure. Daryl, why this book at this time?
0: Well, it, I, it's absolutely critical, and and um, I'm really concerned. We we're losing hope as a, a country, and um, I've read the back of the book. And we win, not my book, God's book. Mm-hmm. and we win. Uh, and so that gives me a lot of hope. But in the midst of waiting for that end time, uh, there's a lot of anxiety, worry and confusion. And uh, I talk from a business owner's perspective, because that's the language I'm used to speaking. My dad's a business owner, my brother and my sister. My whole family were entrepreneurs. and our Thanksgiving dinner, we talk cash flow and marketing. And so I could talk from the language of a business owner and an entrepreneur. Uh, very well. And I could talk about what it means to have hope in the midst of anxiety, worry, and confusion. And if I can get um, somebody to think of the way they transact and conduct business uh, differently, uh, and and it's really not overly complicated. It's uh, whether we're abiding or we're not abiding, which is Christianese, so to speak, but either we're dependent upon God or not dependent upon God makes all the difference in the world. And so I'll unpack that more in the book. Outstanding.
1: So who is the book? Who's the book written for?
0: Yeah, so when you write a book, you know, at least when I wrote a book, uh, Stephen King had a great book on, on writing. It was really good, and, and I read it after I wrote my book. But he he mentions about writing a book uh, and think of one person when you write it. So I thought of my dad when I was writing a lot of the book. The reason I thought of my dad is my dad, um, he, uh, he didn't graduate from high school, a uh, very difficult life, kicked out at a young age, but one of the hardest workers you'll ever know, and frankly one of the smartest guys you'll ever know. Um, he does fire and safety, so he, does, he puts in these uh, large systems for restaurants, and he's turned pipe most of his life, wears a cowboy hat, likes a cold beer, very Texan. Um, and, and when it comes to books, he'll read a book, but he needs the font a certain size, he needs the, the pages white, he needs to be, the, cha- the chapters need to be short, needs to be to the point, it needs to have good content, it needs to have uh, uh, some stories. And so I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, my dad, I want my dad to finish this book, but you know what? He represents an entrepreneur pretty well. You know, we're busy. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Please don't mess around. Please get to the point. Um, I think I do a good job of that. And I also want to try to make sure that if somebody wants to skip a, skip a chapter because it doesn't pertain to them, I want them to be able to skip it and then still pick up. So I really thought of the busy, ambitious entrepreneur as I wrote the book.
1: We, we certainly don't have a shortage of business books, entrepreneurship books, uh, small business books, uh, name it, name it, name it what you want. What sets small business, big pressure apart from other entrepreneurial books?
0: So really what the challenge for me was, um, I've read all of them. In fact, one of my favorite authors is Jim Collins. I'm a nut for anything, Jim Collins. Um, and even John Maxwell, for that matter, I love John Maxwell's books, but everything, every time I read a book, um, let's say it's secular for a second. It typically takes me a place where I'm finding myself putting more, uh, things to do on my plate, which I certainly don't need anything more to do. Uh, there's some good ideas, and certainly I practice a lot of the um, the wisdom in books over the years. I read a book a month, and I and I implement it. And I'm aggressive with implementing ideas from books and audio. Uh, and then and then and then I take maybe maybe somebody that has a Christian business tilt, and I find that well, frankly, a, a non-Christian can take that same application and apply it to their business. And it's not transformative, uh, it's, it's, it's good nuggets. But I really struggled with a book that, that really honored God in the way that I believe that he intended the entrepreneur to run a business, and that is um, recognizing the source of our wisdom. Recognizing the source of our peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, generosity is not something we necessarily can manufacture as business owners. So as a business owner, we attempt to manufacture these things because we're go-getter, getter-done kind of guys. You give me a checklist on how to have more peace, and I'll do the five steps, and I'll move on. You give me a checklist of how to, <laughs> how to have a better marriage, and I'll do the five things. In fact, I, I was listening to this one audio, and this pastor motivational speaker said, if you want your wife to love you better— try doing the dishes for her. So I said, man, that's great. I'm going to do the dishes. And that's just another good idea. Another tip. I do the dishes with the expectation that my wife's going to, you know, she's going to kiss on me a little bit because she sees I'm doing the dishes. She simply, she didn't respond that way. I get mad. She gets mad and and then we're a a total mess. So the idea behind, I think having an entrepreneurial uh, inclination is great, but having one that completely abides in Christ is really what I'm after. And in that circumstance with my wife, I said, you know, God, I don't have the capacity right now to love my wife, but you are love. Let your love flow through me. And a byproduct of that is I'm going to have generosity and kindness and and I'm going to do things for her without an expectation in uh, as a result of it. What sets apart the
1: Christian entrepreneur, the Christian small business owner from uh from a a secular small business owner? How do they set themselves apart? What are their what how do they what expectations should they set, set for themselves? Conducting business, uh, just uh just an overview of the Christian in your in, in your from your point of view, the Christian entrepreneur.
0: Well, it's a great question. I think one of the things that uh, that sets them apart is they're they're going to be attacked more. Um, that's you know that's the bad side of the. Coin. So she, they should it, expect that. They should absolutely expect it. I mean, people are going to, um, uh, you know, I know that this, they've said things about me, whether it's the way I. Um, do business. Uh, There's a degree of perfection or a hypocrisy. You know, there's all these antagonistic words that can be used towards Christians, because frankly, we're just not perfect. And when we're doing business, I may have to do a business deal that, um, you know, it's not going to be unethical, but I'm a a negotiator. You know, I'm called to be shrewd. Um, And and, and I'm not going to ever be unfair to anybody, but I am going to look for a good deal. And so as a result of doing that, uh, and if I'm a Christian, then then somebody's going to call me out and say, well, you know, he's he's a hypocrite and he's just a you know after money. And you know, so you're going to get some of that stuff. And I'm not worried about it because I know my heart's in the right place. But you just got to expect some of that, and you got to expect some other a higher degree of animosity and stuff like that we see in the marketplace today, where where we've got a uh, um, a, a lot of people who are baking cakes for 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 people who have a lifestyle antithetical to their faith, that's a higher degree of animosity and, in, and, in, uh, in, a, in an attack. So just the attacks, uh, I think you got to step up the armor as a business owner and just recognize that I think it's also time for business owners to stand firm. And frankly, it's a great opportunity for, for Christian business owners to stand out. Uh, it's, it's finally time for the real Christians to stand up, so to speak, you know, 80% of America says we believe in God, but, but there's no difference there. And so what I, what I'd like to see from a business owner uh, if I could see like a, a clear distinction between a business owner, who's a Christian, who's not, I'd like to see one that lives in peace and not fear. And just make that one distinction.
1: And that's a strong dis- distinction in uh, it peace not fear. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's a simple concept. Uh, certainly, certainly not easy. Let's talk about the, some of the content in the book and the way I'd like to do this, if, if we could, uh, Daryl is, uh, I'm just going to read, uh, read some statements or some mm-hmm. words. And you give me some real powerful pieces of advice related to the following. Okay. Got it. Mission statement.
0: Yeah. So mission statement is the, is the guiding light of the organization. It's, you know, I was on a board and um, another board and I got around a room and we were designing our mission statement and a lot of people rolled their eyes and said, you know, this is kind of just stuff that you put on a website and walk away. I'm not of the opinion. I I believe that the mission statement is critical for the decision-making process. Uh, Just real quick, our company's mission statement is to bring generational change to middle America through a process of independent advice and principled leadership the reason that's important, uh, in fact, there's a key key words in there called middle that say Middle America, and that that keeps us focused. They asked Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, if you guys could agree on one thing, what would you agree upon? And they said uh, that focus was the most important attribute for our success. Mission statements give you that focus, and in ours, we uh, focus on Middle America, and that way, when people try to sell us software or 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 different strategies to serve at marketplaces different than middle America, we pass and we don't waste our time. So it's really a good filter too.
1: Darrell, how do we avoid, as Christian business people, uh, how do we avoid those those types of mission statements that are, let, let me give you an example just off the top of my head. Uh, mission first, people always serving our most important resources, are people and our shareholders. That's everybody. That's every, it, I, I read a book called essentialism by Greg, Is it Greg, Greg McCowan. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It talks about the critical few, but he also talks about the, these mission statements, how we can really get lost in the minutia with, with a mission statement. Yours certainly doesn't, yours certainly seems specific.
0: There's certainly a lot of vague ones out there. Um, I, I believe that it's just pretty, it's a, it's like a job description, uh, for the company, so I believe it says um, really kind of three things: what the company does, who it does it for, and then how it how they do it. And and it, if you can just kind of encapsulate those three things, I think you've got a mission statement. The vision statement, on the other hand, um, really kind of tells um, the world where you're going, and and it all it's almost idealistic, but that's okay. It it really is designed to. Um, really I, I love vision statements that, ch- that want to change the world or change the community. I don't like vision statements that say, we're going to make $10 million in the next five years. I don't think that really creates a crusade. Um, I love a crusade behind something that uh, changes lives or changes the world for a better place. And a vision statement really pushes people that way, whereas a mission statement will give a filter um, for decision-making.
1: Professional and personal goals.
0: Um, so I, they certainly tie together. Um, I was uh, I was just dealing with this just the other day, and um, I, I found a house I liked. I mean, I the beautiful house. I don't need to move. I could live in my house forever. I grew up in a single wide trailer, so frankly, I'm I'm fine. I don't need. To, I've got a two story house, thirty three hundred square feet. It's perfect. I don't need a. I don't need anything. But um, you know, it just happens this way, and and, and, and I'm not. I love giving, so I don't want anybody to take this wrong. I, I'm a big giver. I would never sacrifice my giving to do this, but I, I saw this house was really awesome. Like, it was way over my price range. But I thought, you know what? My business is actually growing pretty well. And I look at that house, and I said, okay, how much would it cost? How much is the down payment? And then you know, I went back to my business, and I said, okay, my business would have to profit uh, this amount of money, and um, how long would that take? And I was like, well, seven years. So in seven years, I can buy that house if I do these things in my business. So it really ties together one in the same. But I don't always look at it financially. In fact, every year when I do my goal setting, and goal setting is great. I mean, who first built a house without counting the cost? Go, lo- go like an anthop slugger, consider his ways, and be wise. But by the same token, I want to completely engage the creator of the universe who's interested in my well-being, it also thinks much bigger than me as I do my goal setting. And when I do goal setting, I do spend some time on that. Um, uh, I differentiate between desires and goals. Desires are the activities that are or, or the, the, kind of the big picture thing, and the goals are the uh, action items that are necessary to accomplish those big picture things. For example, when I met my wife, uh, right when I saw her, I knew I was going to marry her. Uh, Burnett, five foot eight, just beautiful. And right when I saw her, I was going to marry her. And by the way, I love God, love Christian, and I don't, I don't like to go and party or anything. But I met my wife at a bar. Can I just be <laughs> candid with you for a second? And so I met her at a bar of all places years ago, um, and 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 I fell in love. And but but here's the deal: when I met her, I um, I was absolutely going to marry her. So that was my desire. My goal was to wash my car, to wear nice clothes, to take her to a nice restaurant, and and so. What I like to do is I like to set my desires aside. my desire is to own a let's see the specific home. Well, what are the activities that can increase the probability that my desire occurs? so then I'll list um, an activity a month that I need to do to increase uh, to to inc- to increase the probability the desire occurs and so I do talk about that more in the book, but goal setting um, has to be done in conjunction with Christ because I believe Christ thinks much bigger than we do. Amen,
1: amen. Let's talk about hiring and firing, if we could. Uh, those uh, those business owners uh, that uh, that have employees. Uh, when is a what, What's a couple tips on, on hiring the good the right person?
0: Yeah, so uh, that's tricky. I've I've um, I'm I'm really not good at this. I do write about it in the book, but I'm not good at it because what I do is I identify somebody that has that's maybe in a tough spot, but I see a lot of potential in their life. And so I think, man, I can bring this person on, and I can make a difference in their life, and um, and and improve whatever situation they're in, right? And make it—I can change them if I get them in my culture, and I get them around my leadership, and all these things. I can change this person. So I've gotten so many people to work for me with my intent of changing them and seeing the best in them, only for them to become um, a sore spot in our organization. So I've I've transferred a lot of my hiring to uh, to other people in my team that uh, are an advocate uh, for me and can uh, and, and really do a better job of filtering than I would. But I do have um, uh, some important guidelines to share with, with your community, and we certainly apply them here. Um, and that's certainly hire for culture and, and then uh, train for talent and train for the, the technical skills that are needed. Uh, we look for culture first and foremost. So we do ask about the books that they read because we want to know if, if they are readers, and if what they read is aligned with our culture, um, we do ask them uh, how much sleep they get. We feel that people who sleep well are think well, and we need sharp people at our company. Um, we're looking for people with a, just a great attitude. One of the questions that we'll ask is, are you a lucky person? Because the answer to that question will tell us a lot about somebody's attitude in life. And so we have some specific questions. We also do the disc profiling which is very helpful to determine if somebody is uh, a good fit. If they're a technician trying to go in a sales role, that might not be a good fit.
1: How about when to fire somebody, Daryl? I'm
0: still not good at that either. Um, so here I am on a uh, call with you telling you all the things about small business, but none of them I'm good at. But really, <laughs> firing <laughs> firing is, is just not fun. I mean, no one wants to do it. But but one of the things I've reconciled as a Christian, and this is where, man, haven't – um, I I really love being uh, a, I really love being a Christian. I know you know you are like, well, of course, but I, I I love it when I'm I'm really practicing my faith, like when I'm really abiding, because when I really believe what Jesus is selling, um, I, I have this peace about it. So, for example, when I have to let somebody go, and I prayerfully consider that, um, I can trust that God has um interest in their well-being and that I don't have to try to be god and try to be their provider because it was really hard when uh, for me to let somebody go because I was worried that uh, they would struggle financially and I was playing the role of god when it clearly wasn't a good fit and and so that was my christian ease that was me being a a, a guy who was um who, is, who believed in God but really wouldn't practice it. When I got over that, my attitude now is when I let somebody go, I'm going to be very um, uh, kind to them financially and make sure I make a tr- smooth transition. But I'm not going to worry uh, necessarily anymore like I used to. I'm going to recognize that God has a plan for them. I'm not their provider, and this was a great transition in their life, but it's time to move on. And so I've had to do that uh, many times over the years. I don't like it, but um, I, I'm, a, I'm more at peace than I was before.
1: Your, your business, Daryl, Pax Financial Group, was named one of San Antonio's best places to work. How do you become one of the best places to work?
0: Well, you know, um, I, I, we, I look at that and I go, holy cow, it's just one of those things. How does that happen again? Um, but one of the I think one of the things is, is when, um, and it sounds like it's kind of cliche, like, Daryl, come on, there's got to be more to this. But I'm not sure that there is. Uh, sure, there's some practical things to do. Um, we have good systems. We have uh, good communication. Obviously, communication is key. Breakdown of communication is really detrimental to an organization. Fairness, um, making sure that people are you know interrelated or communicated. Um, they know their status in the organization. Uh, they have a degree of autonomy. In fact, that's a, that's a research acronym called SCARF. Uh, uh, that you, you, your listeners can look up that's a great research-based model for, um, for what a good environment of a culture looks like that I think about a lot. But set that research aside, I think even more important is when I made a decision as a leader to abide, and I keep going back to this because it's not something that I think is t- that anybody who's in- a person of faith should take lightly because it's uh, one of the most crucial elements in our faith. When I abide, when I um, trust in him, moment by moment, um, the byproduct of that is I bear much fruit. And bear is, means I don't manufacture. It means I produce and uh, I, I just produce as a result of abiding in him. And it's an overflow for other people. And that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, and self-control. So as a leader, if I'm abiding in him, the overflow is self-control. The overflow is peace it's not fear, it's not anxiety, it's not worry. And when you have a culture that leadership, everything rises and falls on leadership, when it's about that, uh, then you have a good place to work and people thrive. And so that's the the direct result of us winning some awards recently is because of that. And I'm going to attribute 100% to that. And as, Again, you could probably say, well, it was good systems. It was some of the other things that you do. Uh, yeah, probably that had a factor, but I really think that um, our leadership certainly me and certainly other leaders here made a commitment to um, trust God in each moment
1: so when someone turns the last page of small business big pressure Daryl what will they be equipped to do
0: so um, they, they will know their role first of all when when you read my book there's um, uh, there's those solopreneurs who are trying to make a tra- transition out of the workforce um, into a into a, an entrepreneurial career, which people have read the book and said, okay, I'm ready to make that transition now. That's awesome. And the reason they're willing to make that tradition, a transition is because um, prior to reading the book, they were gripped by fear, right? And so, or you may have a business owner who was uh, concerned about paying his employees a fair wage because he was living in fear that his business would go broke. So when he's done reading the book, he say, you know what, the right thing to do is pay them. I trust that God will work it out. So I think when people read the book, there's going to be some practical applications. It's absolutely a practical book, but when they read it, uh, they're going to say, you know what, I can make this next step and make this next decision because I do trust that God is is real, and I do trust that He's uh, going to take care of me, and they start making better decisions as a result of it. And what's going to happen is when somebody reads this book as a Christian, they're going to be willing to take that next step of faith.
1: Let's let's dig a little deeper into your faith, Daryl. How does how does faith play your faith play a role in your work?
0: Yeah, so, um, I'm going to answer that question in a very roundabout way, but I but I'll definitely get to the point. Um, when so you know just walking life just like anybody else. I uh, this is about six years ago and i uh I was really struggling with just uh, getting a little older, and I wasn't playing basketball and football like I used to, so I took up golf. I not only embarrassed me, but I embarrassed other people playing. I'm just not really good at the game. and so I decided to take up uh, jogging, so I went jogging before conference, and I jogged a couple miles um, and then I got completely lost. This was in California. I didn't have a cl- clue where I was at. Got back to the conference. I was late for this conference that I was supposed to be at um, because I was jogging at 6 o'clock in the morning, completely lost, running on the highways. I get back from the conference, and I had pressed a button on a client's account. We manage a lot of people's money. And I pressed the wrong button, and I lost him $10,000. And I might as well put a pile of $10,000 on the the ground and burned it. And Mm. he was mad. He had a beard and guns, and he was very angry with me. So things are just not feeling right. I mean, I just, I'm just worried. And I, I, so I decided to just hang out at the house at the time. We have two kids. My wife's expecting our third. Um, I said, look, you just, it's beautiful February day. You just stay home. I'm going to go to the grocery store and get some groceries. And I'll take my two-year-old daughter, Claire, with me. And she's beautiful, little blonde. I take her up to the grocery store, put her in the back seat. And we're enjoying the day. We roll down the windows and, uh, we're singing, I don't remember what we're singing at the time, but all of a sudden she screams. And what she had done is she put her finger between the window and the frame and it got stuck mm. because she had kicked the electronic up button. So I, 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 tried to drop the electronic window, but it wouldn't come down. So I swerve over to the McDonald's parking lot and I thought I was going to have to punch the window down. It didn't come down, but finally she let go of her foot and the window did come down, but her finger was severed. Mm and there was blood all over her dress. So I rush over to the hospital. It's the Baptist hospital right around the corner. And I asked the doctor, uh, I, I they asked, you know, my name and, and I didn't have a clue what my name was. My date of birth. I didn't know. Just take care of my princess. There's blood everywhere. I'm really kind of freaking out. And, um, that, that night they kept her in the hospital and they, uh, Dr. Chris Phelps successfully reattached her finger, not without fear or pain or, or anxiety. um, But that night, my wife lost the baby. Oh, no. And uh, so, like, at this point, I didn't didn't have a checklist. Like, all the books I've read, I I didn't have a checklist of how to get out of the situation. Because if you kind of think about everything, I felt really small. My identity as a man, as an athlete, as a business person, as a father, as a husband, all of it was um, I couldn't do anything. And so I call a guy up, his name is Bill Loveless, and uh, he had gray hair, and he had been in uh, the business world, decided to get become a missionary. I didn't know why, it didn't matter, but he knew a little bit more about the Bible than I had at the time. I wasn't really engaged in my faith, and uh, he, I don't remember what he said, but I remember what God said through him, and that was, are you done yet? Are you done living the life I never intended you to live? And it was at that moment I decided, you know what, I am absolutely done. I'm completely tired of carrying all the anxieties and all the burdens and all the worries of a small business owner. I was fed up, and I'd seen too many business owners um, fall into alcoholism and divorce and other issues. And I just saw that career path or that life path, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. So it was at that moment that I just made a commitment to trust God not just as a leader but as a as a friend to others and as a husband and as a father and just trust him and, and really really trust him and stop trying to control everything. And I think as a result of not trying to control everything, people are just enjoying their jobs a little bit more. And um and, and I am as well. And so that's kind of been a six year journey now and I'm seeing the fruit of it and um really just enjoying sharing that with others because uh, business owners who are starting to buy into what Jesus is selling of just trust me and trust me and trust me and trust me and trust me. And And then finally they get to the point and say, okay, I'll trust you. uh, They're starting to see some fun stuff happen in their business. And so it makes it, makes it for more an interesting journey.
1: You don't mince any words about your faith. You're very overt about what motivates you and why it motivates you and who motivates you in Jesus Christ. Uh, How did you, how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ?
0: Well, it was, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I was baptized at a young age. Um, I made the decision when I was um, a young child, and uh, God had, res- had relentlessly pursued me um, you know, through high school and college as I decided to go my other ways. Um, but I had made a decision at a young age to accept Him as my Lord and Savior, and that was really important to me. <clears throat> I never felt Him left. He was always pursuing but I was always interested in other things and distracted by life, specifically in high school and college. I did not surround myself with people who were um, equally yoked, people of faith. So I found myself falling into behavioral patterns of the world. And to unwind those relationships is difficult. But when, um, you know, I've always felt God's pursuit. I remember in college, we were out one night just, having a great time, just a bunch of guys. And somebody told me in the middle of the night, at a, I think maybe at a bar or somewhere that it was national day of prayer. And I, and it hit me. I go, man, I can't believe it. I, I don't, it just bothered me that I wouldn't know that. And was, uh, seemed like it might've been important. So the next morning I must've gone to bed at three and I got up at seven and I got around the, the flagpole and I was the only one in the university and I got my Bible and I just read at flagpole. And I always felt that God had a relentless pursuit of my life. And finally it was, it was about six years ago when that happened with my daughter. I just made a commitment, but it was a long journey and a lot of mistakes along the way. And, and frankly, I don't have any necessarily regrets, but there are some relationships that I think I could have had a more more of an impact on if I wasn't so distracted by, um, the pleasures of life.
1: Since, uh, since surrendering your life to Christ uh, as an adult, um, not discounting the, the decision you made as, as a child, but since surrendering your life to Christ as an adult, have you ever doubted your faith or even the existence of God?
0: Um, you know, absolutely not. I, from what I understand, I, I think you're a former atheist, right? Recovering yeah. atheist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so yeah, I know, um, I, uh, I have not. I uh, I love Robbie Zacharias. Um, I, I love Lee Strobel. I guess I just spent so much time prior. So prior to that, uh, buying into the, I'm the way, the truth and the life. So I did um, buy into that. Jesus can be my life. But prior to that, I always had an intellectual curiosity, which didn't make any change in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had read a lot of books about Jesus and, and Islam and, um, atheism and ag- what it means to be agnostic. And really I had peers around me, um, that challenged my belief system. So I spent a lot of time reading that stuff. And so from a cerebral perspective, I had wrapped up the, uh, faith in God pretty well. Right. Like I could make a pretty good argument for people sure. or for, for faith. So that really was was not an issue. And, um, and it was just a matter of really believing it. Uh, that was the really hard part. Like, I could, I could certainly make a case for Christ. That was no issue. Like, I, like, I will rip you—I'm not saying I would to you, but I would tear somebody apart if they wanted to debate me. Because sure. I had all the theological stuff in my head. That wasn't an issue. It was, I would just go out and then do the same thing with them. And there it, it was no difference in my life. And so, uh, yeah, so I hope that answers your question. I really didn't struggle with, and I still don't to this day. There's some certainly some concepts that are kind of weird, but what I do now is like, God, I don't understand that. So one day reveal that to me, but because I don't understand it doesn't mean I don't discount the whole thing. You know what I mean? Right, right.
1: As Christians, it, us not knowing does not diminish our faith or does not diminish the, our, uh, the existence of God or the power that he has in our life. Not knowing something about him doesn't doesn't diminish that at all.
0: It doesn't at all. You know, somebody asked me the other day, well, how do you know? I go, and I don't share this with a lot of people, but of course I, I, I'm going to share it with all the thousands of people that are listening. <laughs> uh, somebody asked yesterday I said, honestly, you know, there was a point where I just looked at all the probabilities that it's possible because I'm a finance guy, right? I look at money and, and investments and I go, the probabilities were pretty high. Like it wasn't hundred percent, but just, just factually speaking, I was like, man, there's, there was a very high probability that God and Jesus and this whole thing went down. And so there was a cerebral time where I, I said, you know, I'm just going to go with probabilities here. Uh, that was, that didn't, wasn't transformational and that wasn't the right way to do it. I just had to do that because sometimes I get a little academic on myself. Um, but, but it was fun and stimulating and I enjoyed that. At the end of the day, I still have those times where I do get these little questions or, or things that I, I, I read that I, especially when I read the Bible, maybe some of the old Testament, like, God, I, why did you do that? But the great news now is that it doesn't bother me. There's a time and place where he'll reveal it to me and I'm, I'll just be open to when that happens. Cause that's typically what happens is I don't get it. And uh, I used to say, I don't get it. So now it's a, it's a potential ding in God's armor. Not anymore. It's like, okay, I don't get it. That's on me. I'll figure it out later. God will reveal it and, and I can move on.
1: Be as a, uh, be as transparent as you're comfortable uh-huh. with this next question, Daryl, if you would, have you ever had a time when compromising your principles of faith uh, seemed like the right thing to do for the sake of profit or expediency, or uh, let's face it, frankly, just an easy way to get out of a situation?
0: Um, I'm trying to think. You know, <clears throat> I, I don't think it's ever. I don't. I've never compromised my um, my faith. Never once. In other words, I've never had to. Um, uh, I, uh, de, de, for the lack of a better word, deny Christ, deny, deny my Christianity. Wait
1: for the cr- rooster to crow,
0: huh? Yeah, I've never had to do that. Now, what I have done, and I think many people have done, is I've lied, right? And, and so I've compromised integrity and in, in, in things that are important. Um, I mean, that's not habitual, but I've done it, and then I recognize, oh, man, what an idiot, I shouldn't have done that. Usually God convicts me. The more I, more time I spend with God, the less that becomes of of as, as frequent. Um, when I wasn't with God, it seemed like I would that would happen more and more often. But now that I you know I spend my time um, really just responding to God, um, I surround myself with other good men and women that um, that share the faith. Um, I don't find that those compromises integrity happen. I mean, I don't even you know the last time. Have, but, you ever had um,
1: a, have you ever had a major decision point uh, in your life? Let me give you an example. Um, we both know Dan Miller of Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love Fame, uh, and uh, he um, he had a time in his life where he was, I think it was, and he, he's open about this. He owed four hundred thousand uh, dollars because of a, a business deal that went bad, and now I'm not making any judgment a, a judgment calls about bankruptcy or about, about anything like that. But he, he talked about his faith and the role his faith played uh, in that decision. And he decided, I'm not going to file bankruptcy. I'm going to pay every penny back that I owe over $400,000 from a, from a, from a business, from a biz, business deal that went bad. Uh, have you ever had a similar kind of decision point or, or point of uh, crisis of faith or the decision point where you say, this is, this is because of my faith.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's probably one I can think of off the top of my head. It's such a good question that I'd love to give a um, prepared answer, but um, one that just comes off the cuff, that I've um, worked um, and had um, people that have worked with me closely in a business relationship that they, uh, as I got engaged with them, I realized that their skill sets were not equal and that they were not the best person for the role. But I took inventory of, uh, of that relationship through prayer and through conversations with other people in a consideration of how God had orchestrated that relationship. So I went into business and, um, God had, man, he, he put us together in business in a way that I would never, never imagined. It was very unique, but I got to the point where, man, we weren't, we weren't on the same page the skill sets were not there to do, to do the job with excellence. And if frankly, if I was, if I had my business acumen or my business hat on, I would have said, okay, we're done. We're moving on. This is not, you're, you're bringing me down. I can move on faster. But at that point I had to take inventory and say, is God doing something bigger here spiritually? You know, there's powers and principalities, right? So is God doing something spiritually here that I need to recognize on me or in the, in the context of this relationship. And so I stayed in that in that business relationship, even though there was financially it might not have been the best move. Um, but but it, what it did happen, I will tell you that uh, God did some amazing things through that unique business relationship for His kingdom. That financially might not have you know might not have been the best business to see it, deal, but God used it in an amazing way, and it worked out just fine. Right. There was moments where I completely wanted to disintegrate the business relationship because the math didn't work. Now, I will tell you, I don't I'm not very uh, I think making stupid decisions for Jesus are still stupid decisions. And I wasn't I, I really wanted to be cautious about this. It wasn't working. And this business person wasn't good. But I did seek out counsel and I did prayerfully consider whether or not I should move on. The counsel and the prayer clearly told me to consider moving forward with this person because God had a bigger plan, and and so once I made that commitment, I just let it go and I was at peace with whatever God was doing. So that is one example, um, and and that happens a lot with people. And so as we make business decisions with people, and they don't, people tend to let us down. They're like paintings. The closer we get, the more flaws that we see. But if we recognize that God has orchestrated the relationships uniquely and, and we don't measure it based on the profitability of it. We measure it by the fruit that comes out of it for God's kingdom or for his glory or for whatever else he wants to do. Sometimes we have a little bit more patience than we otherwise wouldn't have.
1: Do you have a, uh, do you have a Bible verse or passage Daryl, that's most significant to you?
0: <clears throat> Go like an ant thou sluggard, consider his ways and be wise. And, and here's why I'm going to share that one with your, with your audience for just a second. Um, that was my uh, that was my verse of life, and that I don't have any tattoos. But if that if I did have a tattoo, that would be my one. Uh, and 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 also I would have um, a, a tattoo called Mental Toughness Extra Effort (MTXE) Mental Toughness Extra Effort, and. Uh, th- that was my attitude before I really started, again, about six years ago, when I made that transition in life to really uh, buy into what Jesus is selling. And now my scriptures, is um, John fifteen five, and I mentioned this earlier, where as I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But it's the last part of that scripture that I really dig, and I'm really starting to really believe each moment, not just like in a year, not in a month, not in a day, but just in each moment, the last part of that saying apart from me, you can do nothing. And um, that's, that's the scripture that's really guiding my life today.
1: You know, I, as I, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by a, um, uh, by a verse myself. I think it's actually Proverbs one, seven. I, I'm not sure. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And we have to be very careful who we take advice from and who we're seeking counsel from.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And and uh, it's been amazing what my life's looked like since I've surrounded myself with Christians. Um, You know, before then, the the filters, it's funny if you start paying attention to the filters in which people make decisions, it's really disturbing. So um, people kind of make decisions based on, um, well, fear or what other people might think or what's in it for me. Uh, and and you start to get this tr- track record of the um, kind of the the worldly mindset of decision making and it kind of is it's, wor- it's worrisome that, that that's somehow the filters of decision making are um, really poor. but when I get around some people that are pressing into God, oh man their their filters disturb me so like they'll ask me when I, when I go to my mentor and I say, here's what I'm dealing with. He says, well, if you prayed about that, oh man, why'd you have to ask me that? <laughs> of course. You know, but it's really cool to be around people like that. And right. that really changed the way you think. Cause I can get tripped up in the world's uh, filtering. You know, I, I listen to enough podcasts or watch enough shark tank. I can probably get my filters all whacked out, but, but, but surrounding myself with good people that press, press me the right way is really healthy.
1: Daryl, is, is there anything as a community you want us to pray for?
0: Oh man, you know, I, I really just want to just continue continue to pray for the business community. I think God's doing great things in the business world. I'm seeing it. C12 is an organization I'm a part of. Uh, they're really becoming uh, quite a light to encourage business owners to to stand out. And, and God can work through businesses in a mighty way, and, and it's really transformative because it affects the employees and the vendors and all the people that come in contact with them. So continue to pray for, for Christ to move in the business because I think that he'll, uh, uh, he'll, he'll make a mighty impact, and I'm looking forward to participating with him in that.
1: Finally, as we wrap up, what would you say to that person that is right on Faith's Edge, uh, about to make that choice to believe or not to believe in God?
0: Oh, man, I, uh, that's so difficult because, um, you know, obviously I don't know all of, about the circumstances and where they came from because a lot of people, um, you know, they struggle with what it means to, to have a Heavenly Father based on their own Father at, on earth and, and how that Father treated them uh, maybe the same perception of how they're viewing the Father in heaven. I just want to challenge their view of father in heaven i don't believe he's an angry man in the sky ready to throw lightning at you i don't believe that jesus is this guy that's in the stained glass window cuddling a lamb the creepy jesus but um i I really believe that we can find that um that there is uh there is a god that has been relentlessly and you and and this this skeptic has to take inventory and seriously think about this he has been relentlessly pursuing you passionately, and you know this, and, and, and you, you just have to respond to it, and uh, if you kind of take inventory of your life, you'll see how he's passionately pursued you uh, to do great things, and when you uh, accept that he's been pursuing you and you just make baby steps to respond to him, uh, I think what, we're, what you're going to see on the other side is a life that makes a lot more sense.
1: I don't think we can say anything more than that, Daryl. The book is Small Business, Big Pressure. And I really, truly believe that this is going to change lives and change businesses. Thank you so much for hanging out today, man.
0: Hey, thank you for having me. I had fun. God bless you, brother.
1: You can find Small Business, Big Pressure at Amazon.com. And uh, Daryl's website is smallbusinessbigpressure.com. These links, as well as Daryl's Facebook and Twitter links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 58. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 58. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Daryl Lyons for being with us today, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you certainly mean a lot to the show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.